Hey, Beaver Nation, it's time to get inside the huddle with the Damn Podcast. The Damn Podcast is your weekly ticket to Oregon State football and recruiting news. Here's your host of the Damn Podcast, BeaverBlitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Damn Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Machado. Joined with me, as always, is Beaver Bliss beat writer Carter Baines. And man, Carter, how are you feeling this Monday? No better feeling than uh, than after a rivalry game win. How about that? Extra spring in your step today, right? Yeah, you wake up on the right side of the bed for the next few days. It's awesome. I mean, and writing about it, writing about he said, she said, that was easier. Top performers is easier. I feel like that SpongeBob episode where he sings the best day ever. <laughs> and that's kind of how I've been feeling the past three days. So hey, and, everything's and, easy. And or- Oregon State fans get this for the next 365 days, hopefully it's more. Glorious. Glorious. Okay. So with that, I want to lead in with this, um, just in case you don't make it to the very end. We are running, it's it's Cyber Monday today. So hopefully you're doing some Christmas shopping or getting yourself a couple goodies. Um Support local though, support um, your local Oregon State writers and Carter and myself and subscribe to Beaver Blitz. If you're not a member, but you listen here on the pod, there is no better time than right now with our Cyber Monday special. Through today, sign up at beaverblitz.com, hit the join button and you will save 75% off an annual uh, subscription to Beaver Blitz. That works up to $26.85 for the whole year. Carter, I mean, even a college student could afford that. That's a pretty sweet deal. And with the amount of access you're getting for, for that price, that's pretty hard to pass up. So not only do you get the lodge and you can read all the VIP articles that Carter and I do, you'll also get, and, and we're in like crunch time now. We've got basketball, we've got recruiting coming up with early signing period and football still has three, four weeks left here and maybe a bowl game. Um, so you get all of that coverage plus baseball when that comes up in the spring. It's a year round deal. Plus you get access to all the other 24 seven sports network sites, which is awesome because you can learn so much um, checking out the, especially the other PAC 12 sites. But um, let's just jump in because this week was so much fun. Beavers won 41 to 38. What are your thoughts, Carter? You were there at research. Well, my biggest thought after the game was I was just so disappointed that the Beaver Nation couldn't be there. I mean, watching the celebration on the field, um, just with with the players and the coaches, I just left myself imagining the field being rushed from from all four sides of the stadium with with fans kind of flooding the field. Um, Would have been one of the all-time great celebrations there at Reeser, but hearing the the horns honking outside of Reeser in in the the parking lot was pretty cool, and then just kind of the overall mood in Corvallis throughout the whole weekend was pretty awesome. So um, yeah, my biggest takeaway was I I just wish more people could have been there to see it, but Twitter was awesome after the game. The reaction over the last couple of days has just been off the charts. And um, one of the most exciting times to be a Beaver, I think in really in recent history. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we'll get into a little more of that about importance here in a little bit. So yeah. I, I sat, I, you were in Corvallis, I was up in, in Sherwood, and I was thinking the same thing, just how sad that Beaver Nation isn't there, but 
we ran a story right afterward. I, while you were working on the post-game story, I was working on um, a reaction on Twitter. And you mentioned, did you see, I mean, the, the story has been buried now because of so much going on, but did you see the former players? To me, that's always super fun to see former players come back on social media. Did you, did you read any of those responses? Yeah, I saw a couple of them. I, Johnny Heckers uh, stood out to me. Steven Jackson has been really active this year with his Oregon State content. And it's always really cool to see that those big names are still staying active um, with the program. And so the amount of engagement, like I said, that we've seen on Twitter, not only from former players, but, but also just from fans and from the national pundits as well. And Kirk Herbstreet, uh, to, to name one, um, shouting out Jamar Jefferson. Jamar gets an ESPN interview um, on the on their like overtime type thing after the game. Just pretty cool to see the amount of recognition that Oregon State's getting in the national media, and I think they've got to take advantage of it. You know, Definitely. whoever's you know wh who whoever within the programs co is coordinating all of these interviews are doing a great job of of getting the word out, and um, hopefully they can string together some more wins because people are starting to pay attention and they can really capitalize off of this uh, with, with a couple more wins this season. Uh, my sister-in-law is in Atlanta and not a big football fan, but her boyfriend is, is a big Georgia Bulldog fan. And she even texted me saying, oh my gosh, my boyfriend was saying how he kept asking me, do you understand how big this is? This game, I mean, I think that's something that's been overlooked a little bit too, is this game was like the only game Friday night. It had a huge national audience. Um, Steve Wilkfong, one of the 24-7 national recruiting writers, did an amazing story and he checked in with some of the Beavers top recruits and top recruits in the country for 2022, 2023, asking them their thoughts. You know, and these are, these are young men that have offers from Oregon and Oregon state and those kids were watching. And um, I was on with Mike Parker earlier. I know you were on with Brandon Sprague earlier, but one of the things we talked about with Mike was, does this game immediately flip things for recruiting. And my, my theory is no, it's not going to, you're not going to just see guys commit because Oregon State beat the Ducks. What you do see though, is that it gives the staff some credibility in the, on the recruiting trail because, you know, Coach Smith now is in your starting, he was three years in, he's been talking about his vision, talking about what, you know, his plans are going forward and what he wants to accomplish. Now he can point to the ASU win, the Oregon win um, as big time, program wins. I mean, none bigger probably than Friday night, but, um, and point to those, to the recruits and say, look, what I'm saying is, is happening. Um, who are your top performers? I know you just did a story on yesterday, which gosh, it has over 10,000 views already, Carter. So kudos to you on that, but who are your top performers or who do you want to give special shout out to, um, you know, after that game? Well, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now so I can have my little cheat sheet ready here. But Oh, you can't um, just do it off the top of your head? I mean, we all know Jamar is going to be number one because... Yeah, I mean, go ahead. What he did, I mean, seriously, that was unreal. 200, was it 226? Uh, yes, I believe so. Just, yeah, talk talk about, you know, your guys. And I, I think you mentioned as an honorable mention, but the offensive line, huge game yeah. by them. Yeah. So normally in our, in the top performers piece, we highlight the, uh, the top 10 players from, from the past week. And this week there, there was just, there's too many, you know, couldn't just pick 10. So I threw in three honorable mentions. You mentioned the offensive line was one. How about Everett Hayes, two huge field goals. That 48 yarder was a new career high. I mean, he was the difference in the game, a three point win. Those two field goals was, those were the difference. And then 
Um, man, who else was a, an honorable mention? Oh, Chance Nolan, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. a game winning touchdown. I, I think that he, was pretty played... cool that you threw him in. I mean, one play, one snap, but um, I were you perplexed when Chance went out there and it wasn't Coletto? You know, I expected Coletto. I'm not going to lie, just with his size, with his size, and the fact that he is that running quarterback that they use. But um, after we heard, you know, we heard after the game from Johnson Smith, QB sneak is Chance Nolan's play. He runs that all the time in practice, and. I mean, you, you see Jebbia go down and you're like, all right, well, Chance Nolan's going to have to get some reps eventually because he's probably playing at least the next week, if not the rest of the season. So good for him to get in and get some confidence on, on albeit one play. But uh, yeah, awesome there. And then as we go down the line here of top performers, we've got Jaden Grant came up with a pick. Tristan Jebbia obviously had a huge game. How, okay, um, wait, Jaden Grant, how about the play where he stood up the Oregon I don't know. I don't, I don't remember if it was Tyler Shuck or if it was the running back, but at the goal line, I mean, stood him up. Yeah, it, it was a running back. It was either die or Verdell. Um, it was on a little, it was an, it was an option play or a, an RPO of, of some sort. Shuck kind of tossed it and uh, Jaden Grant absolutely stuffed the running back yeah. there. That was one of the best plays of the game. Kite Noladapo uh, is also on the list. He had another big hit on CJ Verdell that I believe. I think it knocked um, him out of the game. Yeah, if, if you go back and watch the game, Verdell, I don't think came back in after that play. Um, Oladapo had a huge game. It was a career night for him. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Omar Spates. Um, Nashawn Wright had a pick as well. He had a huge game. Avery Roberts. Oh, man, go down the list. There's just so many of them. But let's talk about the wide receivers. Oh. Trevon hey, Bradford we've been critical. We've been Taylor. super critical of the wide receivers this this year. Mm-hmm. Best game. And yeah, had. I mean, they have had a tough time getting open downfield, and that was a kind of a point of emphasis going into the season. And they flipped a switch this week. I don't know what the difference was, but Colby Taylor coming up huge on third down, like we know from the coaches. You know, that's they love him in that situation. Trevon Bradford making huge plays. Those two guys combined for. I want to say it was at least 190 yards, if not 200 yards between the two of them. So massive game from those guys. And then two more guys on the, on the top performers list, Andre Hughes, Murray defensive MVP. That was a career game for him with three and a half tackles for loss. And then Jamar Jefferson, of course, with a game that I think put him in the legend category. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely now is in there with, when you think of the top running backs at Oregon state, I mean, you're thinking, Ken Simonton, you're thinking Steven Jackson, Evanson Bernard. I, I definitely think he's he's in that mix. And Jaquiz Rogers on Twitter said that uh, they left him room on the Mount Rushmore. So. On Mount Rushmore, yep. I mean, that's, it was, and and you mentioned, I mean, Andre, been through a lot. Andre, you know, he was out all last year, but such a great young man. I mean, talk about a guy who's been a captain now two years in a row, huge with community service hours. Um, his smile after the game in the press conference, it spoke volume. I mean, you forget how much, you know, I know the fans love this game and it means so much to the fans, but I think it, it's so awesome to see these young men, they take it just as seriously as the fans and to see the smiles, um, you know, and it, yeah, you're mentioning Jaden Grant and um, Kitan Oladapo, both, well, Jaden now has a scholarship, both were former walk-ons, in-state guys, um, you know, they wanted nothing more than to beat the Ducks. So. Um, that atmosphere, 
and the locker room, little little snippets of locker room that we've seen. How fun. I mean, that would have been a yeah. blast to be down there just to watch that. And and going back to Anje, I want to say I, I rewatched the game on TV yesterday. I, I don't always get to see every single play when I'm up there in the press box when I'm typing away. But so I wanted to go back and, and rewatch it. And, you know, the, the commentators did a solid job. But I, I think one thing that I, I want to address is Rod Gilmore mentioned a couple of times that Anje Hughes-Murray came in for Addison Gums and, and you know, performed well at as this backup kind of guy who came in for a starter. Well, you know, Andre's a, a fifth year senior, you know, sure. He came in for, for an injured Addison gums, but like Andre could be a starter by himself. You know, yeah. this is a guy who has put so much into, into this program over the last five years. And, and I don't want the casual fan to, to come away thinking that this is just some backup guy who had one big game. I mean, he's a consistent performer and he deserves a lot of credit because he was, one of the big difference makers in this game. Yeah, completely. And a great point because yeah, I think, you know, you and I follow this program so closely day in and day out. And there's some, you know, diehard fans that do know the contribution that he makes daily, but he really is. I mean, he is the heart and soul of this defense. I'd, I'd say him and Avery Roberts um, and, and Jaden are, are the three um, just, but like I said, with, with Andre being a fifth year senior, he's been through, um, you know, this is a second coaching staff and, He's been through a lot. So, um, and like I said, just the, the type of guy he is, I mean, that smile, like I said, just it, it flashed when you, when you talked to him in the, in the post game. Um, it's so fun. And I, I, I know beer fans are probably like, why are we still talking about the Oregon win? But I think it was such a, it's an important game. Um, before I jump into the, again, the importance, Tristan's injury. So we just got off the phone with coach Smith um, who did say that Tristan's injury to his hamstring was worse than he originally thought on Friday night, which I had heard this weekend as well. Um, they're still doing testing on it and to see how he responds. Um, do you have any reservations about um, Chance Nolan coming in though? I, I My gut tells me that we're not gonna see Tristan this week. My gut tells me that we may not see Tristan the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know Jonathan Smith likes to be kind of optimistic, outwardly optimistic when it comes to injuries, but the way hamstrings are and and watching the way that Tristan reacted on the sideline, I just don't see a way in which he comes back within the next couple of weeks. I mean, that that has all the makings of a long-term injury. Um, so yeah. I, I don't have any reservations about bringing Chance Nolan in. Um, I know what he's capable, about, capable of. I've seen his saddleback film. I've seen him in practice. And I know that he's really come along in the last couple of weeks. And now that he's got some confidence in him, I'm fully ready to, to hand the keys to the offense to him and see what he can bring. I think we see a little more uh, RPO with him. I think we're going to see him more designed runs with him. Um, it'll be fun to see kind of what he can do. But I mean, Tristan had the game of his career and that was, you know, that's what makes it kind of sad that he wasn't able to finish it out. But um, how important, you know, we talked last last week about, you know, my favorite and most important game I thought ever was the 1998 Civil War. Just taking a look at where the two teams are and where they were, you know, the, the trajectory Oregon State's on, how important do you think looking back on this game Friday night, do you think this will be in, in the future of when we start looking back at importance? Yeah, it's got to be right up there with 98. I mean, you look at the Oregon State program with, with where it's at trajectory wise and 
if Jonathan Smith is the guy moving forward, and I believe he is, then this, I think, is going to be the game that people look back on and say that right there is where the switch was flipped. That's where the script turned in, in Oregon State's favor. And, you know, I'm not going to go out and say Oregon State's going to reclaim the state and, and take Oregon down in the, you know, in the recruiting rankings or anything like that. But this is, this is a, a program builder. Um, this is something that is going to start momentum in terms of on-field performance. It's going to start momentum in recruiting. It's going to start momentum and confidence among the fans. I mean, it cannot be overstated enough just how big of a win this is. So, Carter, you told me last week that, I mean, you weren't even around for the 98 Civil War. Does this one now rank as one of your, your favorite Civil War, or sorry, Oregon game, rivalry game? Is this one of your favorites? Yeah, I said it was going to be tough to top 2016 because uh, I said 16 was kind of my 98. But um, just the fact that this was even from an, an outsider's neutral perspective, it was just, I mean, probably one of the best football games I have ever seen at any level. Yeah, I mean, it um, was. It was just an amazing game to watch. Mm -hmm. And so when you add that to the equation and you take into account where this program is at and you throw in the fact that Gary Anderson, we know what happened after the 16 game, um, I, I think this one is right up there at the top for me in terms of rivalry game history. See, you're and you're young enough that you don't get caught up in the whole civil war like I do. It's it, like I said, I've said it many times. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, and I apologize the Oregon rivalry, but um, yeah, it I, it can't be overstated how fun and important that game. And I you make a good point about the fans because um, you know two losses to start the season, and and this is this is a tough year. Beaver fans aren't in the stadium. And I think this program after two losses could have, it could have gone one of two ways. And then you see them, you know, fight and win that the game um, against Cal and now civil war. Now you have fans getting back involved and fans are starting to be engaged. And like you said, Twitter and, and social media is a buzz again. And um, it's, it's big for that too, just to keep the fans engaged because think about if the Beavers would have gone the other direction going into next season, where hopefully fans will be back in the stands. That would be a tough sell. Yeah, so I, I keep going back to we're now at the point in Jonathan Smith's tenure where we can start comparing him to the last staff. You know, mm -hmm. this this is where things turned south for Gary Anderson. And, um, you know, this season started out with a tough loss in week one that a lot of people were comparing to that Colorado State game under Anderson. And I said, if if Smith can't turn things around midseason, people are going to start asking some tough questions and say, is this Anderson part two? Um, well, I think Jonathan Smith proved on Friday that he is not the second coming of Gary Anderson. Um, and so I, I just go back to the confidence of the fan base. You know, it's so easy to lose fans when, when you're not playing well and it's a, a consistent trend year over year. And this is an upward trajectory that's going to get a lot of people excited and if fans are allowed in Reeser next year, I'm curious to see how full it gets because it's been pretty empty, as we know, for the last, man, I don't know, six, seven years. And so I'm not saying that there's going to be sellouts in 2021, but I think we could see um, a resurgence in the fan base. Yeah, yeah, just just like I said, so important. Um, so now the, the shift turns to Utah. And I, I we talked a little bit before we hit record here on this. 
Um, we both watched the Washington, Utah, or most of that Washington, Utah game on Saturday. The Beavs are traveling to Salt Lake. The good news is it does not look like snow is in the forecast because it will be a night game, a 7.30 Pacific time kickoff, 8.30 mountain. Um, so it looks chilly, I mean, in the, in the low 30s, but not um, horrible and no, the biggest thing was snow. What are your thoughts? and what the Beavs need to do this week against the Utes? Well, they got to find a, wall, uh, a way to move the ball. because we know Utah's defense is good. Um, they, they lost a lot of guys from last year's unit, but through two games, I mean, they've shown that they know how to coach defense, and they've got some guys coming up who are, who are some real playmakers in their own right. So moving the ball for Oregon State is going to be the big thing because I, I, I'm not going to say a, a big night is coming for the Oregon State defense, but I think that Utah offense is nowhere near as good as it was last year. So there are some opportunities there to, um, to, to keep the Utes offense off the field. So it really comes back to can Oregon state move the ball? Cause if, if they can, they've got a real pretty, I mean, they've got a pretty good shot regardless, but if they can move the ball, um, uh, watch out. Yeah. You bring up a good point. I mean, this is not the Utah team we've seen in years past. The offense isn't as strong. Defense is, is surprised me a little bit, but, at the end of the day, it's still a Kyle Whittingham coach, tough team, hard nose. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say they're similar to the Beavers in that it's a real blue collar program. It's a, a work hard, um, you know, bring your lunchbox, I guess. That was Coach Riley's topic all the time. What are your thoughts of the Pac-12 in general as, as we've gone through half the season? Some teams have gotten games in, some teams have not got as many in. Um, I feel, I think, Oregon State, Oregon has been fortunate. This Northwest has been pretty fortunate in getting the games in. But what are your thoughts looking at, you know, what you've seen so far? Man, the state of this conference, I, I hate to be overly critical, but we're at a point now where this conference is, is going downhill, unfortunately. We, we see it week in and week out with the officiating. And, you know, I'm not going to say officiating represents the conference, but in the Pac-12, it kind of does. You know, you're, you're losing officials to other conferences and you're, you're getting bad calls that are deciding games week in and week out. And that's a oh, real, that, real mean, problem. I mean, seriously, they missed two offside calls. I don't see mm -hmm. how you miss an offside call when Oregon is wearing highlighter uniforms and the line judge is right there. Exactly. And then to, to another point, the national relevance. I mean, the Pac-12 has to find a way to get into the playoff. It's not going to happen this year because Oregon was really the last hope, especially after USC had their game canceled this week. So they've got to find a way to get in next year somehow or else yeah. this is this conference is going to go up in flames. I, I think people are just so frustrated with the way things have gone the last couple of years under Larry Scott's direction. And if, if they miss the playoff next year, I just think there's no way that this conference is going to rebound with him at the at the helm. I, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's sad to see where the Pac-12 is and um, in just on a national relevance scale. Um, okay, take off your writer hat for a minute. You're a fan. Now, would you rather have Oregon still be in contention for the CFP or does it just feel good that they're not? <laughs> Feels great that they're not in the consideration. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, I heard from so many people that are not beavers, like they're huskies, there's cougars, um, a cow friend of mine. Um, it's like the sentiment across the board is like my USC friends were text. No, but everybody was rooting for the beavers. 
poor ducks. It's, it's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> okay, that was totally game, off topic. There were, there were game threads going um, on pretty much all of the Pac-12 sites for the Oregon-Oregon State game. And yeah, that was a sentiment that I definitely picked up on was uh, there are a lot, a lot of Beaver fans around the conference on Friday. Yes, yes, there were lots. Um, which I guess, you know, when you're the top dog, everybody's always gunning for you. So to be fair, I'd rather be the top dog than the bottom feeder. But at the same time, I, you know, I think uh, the conference was, was pulling for the beeves there. Just a, a quick, um, just want to jump in with a, we don't have any commercials, so you guys are lucky, but I will just remind everybody of the promo that's going on our, our Cyber Monday special, 75% off an annual Beaver Blitz membership. It gets you a membership for $26.85 for the entire year. And you can read all of Carter's amazing analysis and his work he does. Um, it's football, it's recruiting, it's basketball. And let's talk basketball because two games, Cal and Northwest University. I was blown away by the athleticism. Carter, you watched and reported on both of these games. Talk to me about this basketball program and tell me why the media got it wrong by picking the Bees to finish last in the conference. Media got it wrong because they didn't know what they were getting from Warith Alatiche, Maurice Kalu, Tariq Silver, uh, Rodrigo Andela. Yeah, I mean, these newcomers are for real. And these are athletes that Oregon State has not had under Wayne Tinkle. They didn't have them under Craig Robinson. I mean, th this is a new look program. This is, this is a program that has Pac-12 level athleticism. And they've always had the playmakers. They've, they've always had, you know, one or two shooters. They've always had a guy who can score at, at the rim and, and make plays and, and stuff like that. But they've never had this kind of athleticism. And this is the kind of team that can hang with anybody in the conference. I, I keep going back to, you watch Oregon State take on a team like Washington over the last few years. And there's just this discrepancy in the level of, of not talent, but athleticism. UW always seems like they want it just a little bit more. They always seem like they're, you know, first to the ball on, on, on loose balls and stuff. Oregon State's that team this year. And I know it's early, it's two games. And the second opponent was an NAIA team, but okay, you can but tell. I will say that, but I mean, this team plays defense too, but this team, if, if you look at the Beavers from the past three to five years playing an NAIA team, they wouldn't have won by that margin. No, no. They wouldn't have, they would have. I mean, that, with that was them. a they school that was a school record margin of victory for a reason. Yeah, it was, um, was it 72 points? 72. Yeah. So, um, no, and what I was most impressed with, I mean, a, besides the athleticism, which I texted you during the game, both Eric and I were watching that game just, wow. I mean, this is a different look team, but the way they played defense, they were aggressive. Um, and then, yeah, they played entire four quarters of or two halves of basketball unreal to see from I mean we haven't seen this in years and depth too I mean let's talk about the fact that Alfred Hollins has been a starter for the last couple of years he's like the fourth guy off the bench now and that's I mean he's had his struggles but that's less on him than it is just the sheer amount of talent that this roster has now but I, mean, I liked the it, unity it is of the huge. team mm -hmm. yeah the unity I mean sometimes that would cause problems when you had a guy who's used to being a starter relegate it to a, a number four off the bench, but this team looked united. They looked like they were having fun. I guess it's easy to have fun when you're, you know, 
huge, you know, lead, but um, I thought it was I, a huge testament. This is a totally different look, Oregon State basketball team. Yeah, they're sharing the ball and they're making plays on defense. I mean, they've got guys who can score at, you know, from, from close range to mid range to, uh, you know, they've got three point shooters out there with Ethan Thompson and Jared Lucas. They really have it all. Mm -hmm. um, they've got rim protectors now with Andela, Roman Silva, De'Aaron Tucker has, has played pretty well as well. So I, it's probably the most well-rounded team I've seen at Oregon state as, as long as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. So exciting, exciting times. I mean, I, um, basketball has been kind of down for a few years and I think there's been a lot of question, but, um, I'm excited to see what this team can do. And, and Wednesday night, they open Pac-12 with Washington State, right? Yeah, kind of weird to be playing a Pac-12 game on, I, I think that'll be what, December 3rd or something yeah. like that. But totally um, bizarre. No, but... It, it, exciting to get kind of that, that first real test. I know California was obviously a conference opponent in a non-conference game, but mm -hmm. um, to get a real conference game early on, you know, the, the stakes are a little higher. So kind of exciting to see um, how this team will come out and play in their first big time spot of the year. Yeah. It's, like I said, I haven't been this excited for basketball for a long time. Do you want to do some damn questions? Of course. Okay, guys, you guys submit it. We didn't have a ton in the lodge. Um, I did post it a little early, but I wanted to give everyone time. But what in the blue hell OSU in the lodge has a couple here. Um, I'll just kind of read through them and um, then we'll move over to the Twitter questions that were asked because there's some good ones there. Um, so here's the first one. What does Jonathan Smith need to learn from this Civil War win that Gary Anderson did not learn after the 2016 Civil War? That's a tough question. Um, yes. Let me think about that. I, I, I think maybe just to to build momentum off of it and you know not get complacent and I don't know if if Anderson got complacent or anything like that but that's kind of one of the uh, the pitfalls I guess of winning a big game like this is this Utah game I and mean, let's be honest it has all the makings of a kind of a trap game Oregon yeah. State coming off of a big win Utah coming off of a disappointing loss um, if Oregon State can come out and win this week Man, I mean, they could realistically take the conference by storm because I, I don't think there's a, a game left on the schedule after that that they would lose um, or that they at least wouldn't be favored in, I, I think, if, if that was the case. So just being able to build momentum off of a big win like that, I think, is something that obviously Anderson didn't do. Um, and Smith has a real and, and opportunity. It's a little different, too, right? Because in 2016, the Civil War game was the last game of the season. And then right. if you remember, Gary Anderson couldn't get it out of his own way. I mean, that was, I, I don't know, you, you probably remember parts of it, but you weren't working at Blitz. Um, that was the year, you know, the spring, it was, he wouldn't name a quarterback. And you had Marcus McMarion who led the team to victory over the Ducks. And then you bring in a junior college transfer in Jake Luton. And you had this big quarterback controversy that played off into the, into the summer. And like I said, I will never, ever forget. We were in Bend um, for that. That was when they were in training camp in Bend waiting for Gary to make an announcement and out of nowhere, like toward the end of practice, he comes over, Steve Fink kind of gathered us all, all the, you know, there was like three of us there, gathered us around and um, Gary just came over and said, I'm, I'm announcing that um, Jake Luton is the starter. And we were out, you know, we said, what did the team say? Oh, they're excited. They're behind it. 
And then after practice, we're interviewing Ryan Nall and he hadn't even heard about it. Um, that was the loss. I mean, that's where Gary Anderson lost the team is in that decision right there, not going with his. So that's, I guess that will be the biggest thing is don't bring in a junior college uh, transfer and just, you know, turn into a quarterback controversy. But well, and it's, it's funny because because uh, Chance Nolan comes in Chance as a junior Nolan. college guy. Exactly. He's starting exactly. this week, most likely. So, but yeah, Jebby is hurt now. So we got to, you know, hopefully he uh, can heal pretty quickly. And because he did have a really good game, as critical as I had been on a couple areas of his game this past season, he had an amazing second half in the, in the order. Yeah. And before we move on, let's talk about those last two drives from Jebbia. You know, they kind of got away from the running game, which had been working for them. But, you know, when you're running that two minute or four minute offense, you kind of have to pass the ball a bit. And Jebbia, I mean, he, he took on that challenge and he played his best football of the year on those last two drives, made plays with his feet too. that big fourth down pickup, um, you know, seven yard run or whatever it was huge play of the season for Jebbia. I, I, I was just looking at my Twitter. So somebody had tweeted out that, you know, Coach Smith had said Jebbia's injury looks more serious than he thought. And John Wilner, who have the utmost level of respect for John Wilner, John Wilner said, well, if the Pac-12 officials would have been, you know, not making the mistakes they had, he would have been, they would have called that a touchdown on third down and we never would have had the chance for him to be hurt. So yeah, I, I, I will stand by that that analysis that was I watched it back last night again and I said you know obviously that's a tough call but in real time it looked like a touchdown and then upon replay I mean his entire chest was yeah his entire from waist waist up I mean it's not like he's gonna Mm -hmm. have the ball down at his feet yeah he's not he's not holding the ball between his legs yeah he's yeah he's got it right up there next to his chin so yeah yeah that tough call that unfortunately cost Oregon State a quarterback yeah um, and then what in the blue hell also had mentioned that yes, or he finally got an email at 1230 PM Saturday about the civil war, Oregon win, um, from the athletic op- department office. seems like a missed opportunity to get people opening checkbooks or coming out with some sort of announcement on expansion. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you think now's the time to capitalize on, on that? Or are you, do you try to be a little more sensitive to the fact that fans aren't there, the economy and, and people are struggling right now? What are your thoughts on that Carter? Yeah, I think there's an element of both. Um, I know it's a tough time for everybody and, you know, there's a lot of hardship going around, but um, from this, this athletic department standpoint, I mentioned it with Smith, you got to be able to capitalize on momentum. And I think you, the department as a whole should do that. And, you know, they got to push this win as much as they can, because you never know. I mean, something could come up, COVID could, could cancel the rest of Oregon State's season. And, and you know, I mean, heaven forbid, but if this is the last game of the year, you got to capitalize it, capitalize on it. If there's a game next week, you still got to capitalize on it because who knows what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I would like to see, you know, maybe more, some more formal announcement on the research uh, renovation or, or just opportunities to get people to donate because I mean, you, you cannot miss an opportunity like that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump over to Twitter now for some damn questions. And we have a question from Bill Matthews who, Bill, hello. Miss seeing your face. Um, he says, terrific win, but I'm puzzled by Irish Gould and Morris, MIA. Um, Morris, we can go ahead and say he's in the COVID protocol. So um, it sounds like he's still under the weather and won't be available for this week, or it's doubtful. Um, Irish and Gould, yeah, where was Josiah? Did, are you surprised we didn't see more of him or um, just didn't have, you know, with the other guys that were in 
yeah, you know, I we saw a little bit of him in week one. Um, of course, he had the huge special teams play against Washington or uh, against Cal, sorry. But, man, I, yeah, I would have thought that he would get some more playing time after those big performances. But I don't know. He's kind of had a, a tough time getting on the field and in the wide receiver role. Um, and in a year where you kind of need as much help as you can get at that position, you know, they've said wide receiver by committee. I'm surprised we haven't seen either of those guys. I know Gould was somewhat of a standout in camp. And so to not see him at all so far is really surprising. But yeah, I want to see more of those guys moving forward. Whether I mean, just give them the ball on a fly sweep or something yeah. too. I mean, these guys have elite speed, so they have to get an opportunity somewhere. Yeah. And give them, give them a shot, you know, give them a chance. Um, Matthew Chiafoni, who it's member went to Twitter this, this week. Um, in 2021, is this roster largely intact? I think, I think it is. I don't think we see a lot, a lot of people going. Although Chubby Beeb then asked, do you think Jefferson returns next year? So I think he will be one that's gone next year. Yeah. I think the smart move for him is to, is, is to make that leap. And I know that this is kind of a tough year for running backs in the draft, but I've said it before, the shelf life of a running back, you just can never take it for granted. And he's improved his stock so much this year that somebody's going to take a chance on him in the NFL and he could put together a pretty solid career if, if he wanted to. And um, yeah, I, I hope for Oregon state's sake that he comes back next year. Cause he could really firmly cement himself as one of the, the top, maybe two, three running backs all time at this university. But um, I, I would not be surprised to see him leave. But one I will throw out, this is just a, a thought is, Maybe we see Hamilka Rashid come back. Something to think about. But I, I do think the roster stays pretty close to intact. I mean, it's a small class to begin with. Matthew also wants to know any big recruiting targets as we enter um, early signing day, which is December 16th this year. Um, you know, really, this class is almost full, Carter. They're, um, they have eight commits right now. Actually, they're up to 10 because you have a couple of the mission guys coming back. But um, I could see... Two, I, I, I think they go with two more guys and then look for the transfer portal for a big D tackle. That's where I, that's kind of where my, where I'm thinking they go right now, possibly a, a DB. I'm thinking a DB and uh, maybe another wide receiver. That's well, it was going to be a, it was going to be a small class regardless, even before COVID. And so yeah, yeah. When, you, when you throw in the, uh, the factor of everybody having an extra year, if they want it. Um, Actually, that does throw a wrench into it. I, I, I misspoke on the wide receiver. It's going to be a DB and an offensive tackle. That's where they're going. And then look for a transfer portal D lineman. So that's, I just, I, I knew that didn't sound right, but then I just looked at my notes and it's offensive tackle DB and then a transfer portal D tackle. That's, that's what I'm saying they're going for. Um, Chubby Beef says, um, what is your worst U of O fan experience? Since the sideline reporter, Shelly Smith, talked about being harassed while wearing duck gear, I'd like to hear stories of the opposite happening. Do you have any any uh, bad duck stories? I mean, there's not one that stands out to me like the, uh, the getting hit in the head with a chunk, a chunk of, ice, of ice, which was, I mean, that was... <laughs> I had to kind of simultaneously laugh and cringe when I uh, when I heard that on, on the broadcast. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a single story that stands out. But, you know, growing up in this state as an Oregon State fan, 
you know, going to school in a predominantly Oregon, you know, dominated um, part of the state. It's uh, it's tough, you know. You you take a you take a lot of flack, especially when the Ducks win every year. So, not one single story that stands out. But um, over the years, it's been it's been kind of tough to be a Beaver fan up here. I I had one experience. Um, I've been to Autzen Stadium one time, and that is I'll 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 be. I will never ever go back. Um, this was in two thousand and one, long time ago, long time ago. Um, so I was working at Oregon State then, but I went as a total fan. I just went, um, we actually went with some booster friends um, who had tickets, but kind of a split family. Like they were both Beaver fans, but their extended family were Duck fans. Had this huge tailgate in Autzen parking lot. Um, it was like an amazing day, right? It was fun tailgating with Ducks and Beavers. And it was fun and welcoming. And we had a great time. Went into the game and our game, our seats were awesome they were right on the wall like where the beavers come out of the tunnel and I'll never forget I was I was standing or I was I was with my husband and I'm like yelling down Richard Sigler as he comes out at halftime and I'm like Richard Sigler you rock and he like points up at me and I was like yeah I was like I was fired up beeves lost Ken Simonton did not get his thousand yards that he needed to have a thousand yards each year it was hard but walking out to our car I have never been harassed so bad by duck. I mean, I just had black like beaver rain gear on. Um, college kids getting in my face and taunting, and it was it was awful. And I, like I said, after this great, it was actually a pretty good day. I made a commitment. I said I'll never ever go back. Not even worth it. So, and I've stuck with that twenty years, Carter. Twenty years. <laughs> hey, I, I don't blame you. I had the. Uh... I had the choice of going down to Alton last year and I decided to stay home and watch it from the couch. So uh, yeah, it's just I not worth it. And, and I'm, I'm not really a, a soft-spoken person. So, you know, when somebody's in my face, I want to like try to like back up. Like, <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not even worth it. I've had a few encounters with duck fans at like social gatherings. And the best is when you're talking to a duck fan and they don't know what I do and that I follow football and they talk to mm -hmm. me like I have no clue what's going on and that, and I, the females that listen to this show will understand that feeling of being talking down to like you don't really know what football is about and then you start talking to them and then you can tell that you know more than they do and it's actually kind of funny but beside the point but a good question and chubby beaver no it's not just all Oregon State fans being bad it's, it's a two-way street I will say that same year in 2001 I also went down to the Fresno State game again a horrible experience I've never now that's a rough crowd and I said I would never go back to Fresno either. Um, okay, Adam Barnhart wants to know, will Treshawn Harrison start against Utah? So I don't think he starts, but I think we see him. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but the last two games of the six-game part of the uh, of the schedule, he will be eligible for, which would be Utah and Stanford. That's correct, right? Yes, that, that's the how way I that understand the, uh, it, too. Okay, because... I, I mean, I know Oregon State's academic calendar. Week 10 of fall term ends this week. Finals are next week. So I know that has something to do with the timing yeah. on when he's eligible. So week 10 does end. It's like a full academic year. And so that would be a right. full year. Right. So I guess it comes down to, is he considered eligible after week 10 or is he considered eligible after finals? Because if it's after finals, he wouldn't be eligible until a Stanford game. Yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, like you said, I, I don't think he's in the starting lineup probably really in either game, but um, I do think we will see him before this yeah. season is over. That's something that, that Coach Smith has kind of hinted at um, over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think Trevon and, and Colby and, and gosh, Zariah Beeson got a touchdown too. And, and Champ, they've all kind of done enough to, to keep their starting job. But anyway, Carter, we went long today. We had a, a long pod. Again, um, I just want to bring up our big promo because it is the best promo we do all year. 75% off. Head to beaverblitz.com and it's super fast to sign up and we'll get you access to the lodge. You can ask Carter and myself questions. Um, the national recruiting guys pop in and um, you can read all the other 24 seven. So it's a great Christmas present for you or a beaver uh, friend that you may have or a family member. Carter, any, any announcements or anything you want to say before we say goodbye? All I can say is uh, Oregon State fans relish in the fact that no matter what an Oregon fan tells you over the next 365 days, you can just remind them that uh, 41-38 was the score of this year's game. Scoreboard. And then basketball. Carter, are you on Wednesday night for the game? Yep, I'll be watching. I'll be in the lodge with a, a game thread. I'll have it's a um, watch party. Pre previews, previews and recaps as soon as, as finals are done. Awesome. And then we will start, uh, we'll do a game. So it'll be a little game watch party Wednesday night and another game watch party in the lodge on Saturday night, which has been super fun. Like 7,000 page views for each of those, like 20 pages worth of, of discussion. So um, definitely a fun time. I'm Angie Machado. He's Carter Baines. Check back next week for the next episode of the Dan Podcast. <laughs>